folks, welcome to episode 35 of the Nobleman podcast. Today, our topic and title is The Nobleman Leads His Family. And I'm delighted to have as our guest here, John Majors. Uh, John Majors actually used to be with Family Life, and that's how we connected with him through a mutual friend, Keith Tully. But now John is doing another project. He's involved in what's called Seeds Family Worship. I think I've got that correct. And uh, so we're going to hear all about that. John, welcome to the Nobleman Podcast. Thank you. It's a great privilege to be here. I'm, I'm excited and I, I thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, good stuff. So tell me where you are in life. We like to get a snapshot of marriage, family, kids, where you live, that whole thing. Married 21 years to Julie, amazing woman, high energy, uh, three kids, 16-year-old boy who is a thousand percent boy the most intense personality i've ever been around 10 year old girl who is a thousand percent girl and tender and then a seven-year-old boy who is just a complete jokester so we have quite the mix of personalities it's it blows my mind and we've been in little rock now for 20 years We've been in Little Rock. We moved to Phoenix for a while. We lived in Fiji for six months doing ministry with family yeah. life there. So we've kind of been all over, but Little Rock's been our home base for 20 years now. And uh, just in a neat season of life where they, they have this really neat mix of kids' ages. Sure. And where you're challenged in, you know, some pretty interesting ways to try to meet each of them in a different way where they are across that spectrum. Yeah. Well, I was going to, I mean, we'll dig into that, but so you've got a high schooler, uh, right. uh, almost middle schooler, kind of preteen, yeah. yeah, daughter, and boy, things are different for daughters at 10 versus yes, boys right. at 10. <laughs> Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. And and then uh, seventh grade, so he's probably like, uh, or seven years old, seven so he's probably second, second grade, grade or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I, interesting, are you guys, do you do public school or homeschool or private school or a combination? Christian school, but we've yeah. done all of yeah. the above. And that's one thing we say to families, you got to figure out what works for you in your right. season. And that's a whole separate probably conversation, but we've tried it all and that's where we are right now. And it's working for us in this season. Yeah, absolutely. We have been a public school family, but in this season, our daughter's the only one still at home and she's doing a homeschool co-op. And so um, right. it's, uh, it is very interesting. I, I, I tell folks all the time that I've seen them all succeed. I've seen them all yeah. fail, unfortunately. Right. And, and really the key is what engagement level do parents have? Yes. And, and I really put a lot of the responsibility for that on the shoulders of dad, because I think yes. we've got a lot of homeschool moms out there that are trying to carry all the water and dad's not uh, helping with that. So right. I don't mean that as an indictment, but guys, we will come back and talk about that at some point, because I think that's a conversation we do need to have about how do you lead in that situation? So, um, well, listen, so the, the, the focus this month is the noble man leads well. So when I say noble man, uh, I, and I picked that up from Isaiah 32, eight. That's why the word noble is in our title. Isaiah 32, eight in the NIV says, but the noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds, he stands. So that word noble in that sentence three times, when, when you think of noble manhood, what comes to mind for you, John? One of my hobbies is studying words. I just love to know where do words come from? What shapes them? What are the backgrounds and noble at least our English word noble comes from a Latin word nobilis, which means to be known, yeah. to know, to be known. And I just 
when I think of a man and I think of the men that have influenced me, they were men that were knowable. Hmm. They weren't hiding off parts of their lives. They were transparent. They were an open book. They were quick to ask for forgiveness. They were quick to acknowledge they messed up. And that made them great leaders and influencers as well. And I think we're in a bit of a pandemic of men being isolated. Right. They don't have other men that can trust or that they know. And as a result, they're chasing after other things to fill those voids of friendship that friendship should offer legitimate male friendship. And so that's one of the things that comes to mind when, when I hear the word noble, I know there's a million things we could unpack related to that, but as a father, I need to be knowable to my kids. I'm, that doesn't mean I'm trying to be their best friend. Right. Uh, although I do hope we are friends eventually, maybe, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, um, but I need to be knowable. They need to know that I'm accessible, that I'm not aloof. I'm not manipulative. I don't have some hidden agenda. I'm trying to sneak into their lives back door, but that I'm someone that they can depend on and trust. That's huge for us as fathers. And if we're going to get out of this isolated state that the pandemic has caused, we've got to have a willingness to be knowable to some other guys, too, don't we? Some guys who can uh, who are willing to call us out. We need we need some Nathans in our lives and some Barnabases to to encourage us. So uh, but being known in all of that, that's great. I've not had anyone go at it from that angle. So that's very helpful. Now, what about leadership? Uh, we, we focus on leadership all the time. You Google and just millions of hits on leadership, but what does leadership look like to you and how would you define leadership? There's two things that come to mind that are really guiding my leadership in this season of life. One is Mark 10 45, where Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to be served, but to serve Mm -hmm. and to give his life life a ransom for many. And I know that in business settings, which I've served with family life for 20 years, that's how I know Keith Tully, your previous guest, who I just have the biggest amount of respect and gratitude for just their family just has meant a lot to us. But um, he worked in kind of the field ministry side where he's out meeting churches and people. And, and I'm more, I was more on the, creating the resources side, more in the office, working with a team. And it had a very corporate setting. And one thing I I learned about leadership in that setting when I had a number of people reporting to me is my, my main job was just kind of moving stuff out of the way, removing obstacles so that they could get stuff done. If I was a, if I was a military general, my main job was to keep the supplies coming, keep everybody fed, remove the obstacles, you know, from them do it put them in the right position to win cut through the bureaucracy shield them from that and and i started see you know really uh, leading well is is it's an act of service i've got mm-hmm. to put my own agenda aside although the cool part is if i'm serving them that ultimately serves my agenda as well you know an honorable agenda sure well so I've got to apply that as a parent, as a father. How am I not just trying to win each and every battle? Because as a man, I want to win everything. You know, it seems like men are That's more right. wired that way than women. I got to win. And everything is a competition. Every single thing 
who can rake the most bags of leaves <laughs> today? You know, you're not going to outrake me. And it, nobody's keeping score, bro. You know, yeah. <laughs> on, on every little thing. But I've got to take a step back and go, it's not a... If I win every little argument, I'm going to I'm going to lose the war big time. Right. I'm going to lose their heart and I'm going to distance them. They're going to hate me. They're not going to I don't want to be around that kind of person right. either. So how do I serve? So that's one aspect. The other I took from a guy, Jocko Willink, who wrote a book, Extreme Ownership. I, it's not a Christian book. I don't know if he's a believer or not. He was a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. And a big lesson that he took from his leadership was I have got to own everything under my arena of responsibility. I can't blame anyone else when right. things don't go well. I can't blame the guys who work for me. I can't blame the weather conditions. I can't blame the ammunition, the equipment, like none. Of, I can't blame any of that. I've got to own it completely. And that was really hard for me to read that book. Cause I had been in some situations where I had blamed the conditions. I had blamed the leaders. This project didn't go right because you guys didn't support us. And, and, some of those things were true. Like there are factors that contribute. Um, people who work for you don't always do things right and do things the way you said, but then you, the first question has to be not what did they do wrong, but it's gotta be, okay, what could I have done different? Yeah. What? And I've got to own that and take responsibility for that. And not just my initial reaction is either to get defensive or to blame others for, cause I couldn't have done anything wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's been a huge, both of those have been huge in thinking of, how do I lead? And especially when it comes to leading my family. Wow. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to deviate here because of something that you just said. It makes me think of a question that I get pretty frequently. Um, if I'm out speaking at a men's event, talking about leading your family and that sort of thing, sometimes I'll have an older guy come to me and say, hey, Mike, when, when our family was at home and together, my kids were young, I took them to church, we were at church, we, we did that whole thing. Um, but now my kids are grown and gone. They're married. And and my son or my daughter wants nothing to do with the church. Um, and my children, my grandchildren are not growing up hearing what I want them to hear. And so based on what you just said from this book, Extreme Ownership, boy, that it, it, it's hard to answer that guy, that dad and say or that grandfather and say, hey, you've got to look at your ownership in this. And so I've struggled sometimes with how to answer that question, because I think there is a lot of ownership there. But how, how do you answer that question? What would you say to that, having given much thought to this whole thing as in, in terms of leading your family well and, and the long game in that. Sometimes you can do everything perfect and a kid's going to do what a kid's going to do. Right. So I'm not, I'm not talking about the prodigal son yeah. element. Uh, even Jesus teaches a whole parable about the prodigal son. He acknowledges that reality. Of course, even there, you got to ask in a way that is not condemning and shameful. Yeah. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not looking to heap shame on anybody. Right. None of us have done it right. None of us have done it perfectly. So, But it's still taking a step back and going, okay, yeah, I had him in church every Sunday, but was I pursuing the Lord? Right. Was it of highest priority to me? I was just checking off the box. Right. You know, I'm not saying that's what this guy was doing, but there's sometimes where guys go, hey, I did everything I was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, but you, sometimes they just went through the motions. Yeah. And the kids didn't see it at home. And it, it really doesn't, it's, it doesn't matter what you say as much as what you right. do. And my dad, 
who loved the Lord deeply did very little faith instruction at home, for instance. We never had family devotions or anything. But on Saturday mornings, he was laying on the floor with a group of men weeping and praying Hmm. for the church, for the souls of other people. I mean, I knew it was real for him, and I knew I, I wanted that. I wanted an authentic, real faith, not a fake faith. So that's a real cold answer, like a real direct answer. And every situation is a little bit different. I would, I mean, I would want to spend a lot of time with that guy just talking. Hey, now the other side of what you said though, grandchildren, here's the cool part. If you've got the grandchildren in your home, when we talk about seeds, family worship later, you've got an opportunity to to influence them when they're in your realm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, one of the things that I will do in that situation is say, hey, we all look back and see things that we should have done. As a matter of fact, my oldest son, uh, you mentioned the military, he's, he's in the army and uh, he and his wife have just, just announced not long ago that they're pregnant. And it's been fun because he has told us on numerous occasions, all the things we did wrong as parents, he's got a whole (laughs) long list of things that he's going to do differently. And so now we get to watch this whole thing unfold, which is, (laughs) which is, Folks, if you could see what I see on Zoom, John just <laughs> rocked back in his chair laughing. And um, yeah, but here, here's the deal. We've all missed things yes. that we could have. And so I go back to a Chinese proverb that I first heard from from Patrick Morley, who wrote The Man in the Mirror. The best time to have planted a tree was 20 years ago. <laughs> the next best time is now. And so sometimes we just need to own what we missed and where we could have done differently and begin from that point to do things differently, whether that's with our own. I mean, there's nothing that says you can't begin to be a better dad to your adult son and invest and try to reclaim what the locusts have eaten. Um, and and so exactly same thing with your grandchildren. You've got a whole new generation to start with. So um, I, I think one of the things, is, as John has pointed out here, there is hope and we don't want to lose hope in this whole thing um, because we can't yes. start where we are and and follow God's pattern there. So that fair conversation. I think so. And I think I would say to that guy, you know, I would start if you want to try to re relaunch influencing your son, because as, as an adult, as a 47 year old man, my dad still influences me. I'm still going to listen to what he has to say. I would start by apologizing. Yeah. Hey, look, obviously whatever I did has pushed you guys away from the faith. I don't know why I don't, I'm not going to try to, you know, go back. We can't go back. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sorry for that. And I'm not here to try to shove something down your throat. I'm not here. Like I'm, I love you. Yeah. I care about you. You know, will you forgive me for the way I approach that? It clearly hurt you. Just start there. Boy, if we and, start there with that humility, that sets the stage for man. some very healthy conversations to yeah. take place. Does it not? And now it's not about me and how I look because my kids followed Jesus. Instead, it's now it's about the relationship. Now it's about you. I really care about you and what is happening in your life and what you're struggling with. Yeah. Well, so John, one of the things that I talk with folks about all the time with parenting, my wife included, we we talk about the fact that we have to make investments in their lives. Um, 
right out of the gate as parents, but we really don't know what kind of fruit that's going to produce for decades sometimes. Sure. And and so that's the long range game that is challenging. So I, I want to back up a little bit. You worked on several projects with Family Life, Passport to Purity, Passport to Identity. You may have worked on some others in writing, but what would you recommend? What What are some things that young dads and moms, because we got moms that listen to this, but what are some things that young dads could be paying attention to? Uh, and, and I know you'll get into these resources that would help them at least, my wife and I call it stacking the deck so that our kids can can win down the road and Christ can have a place in their heart. So there are things that we can do to kind of stack the deck for that. So what... Um, what are some ideas or thoughts that you've wrestled with and you've been able to codify in Passport to Purity, Passport to Identity? Give us a little background on that. The, the first thing you do if you do nothing else is pursue the Lord on your own. In fact, um, Keith Tully talked about this in his interview with you, that a great leader is first a great follower. Right. I remember hearing that concept in, in seminary our leadership teacher said that. And I was like, that's weird. That's wrong. You know, what do you mean? But the reason that's important is because I understand that I have a higher authority over me, that I'm not just out on my own making decisions at random. You know, that's, that's a tyrant. That's not the guy you want to follow. Right. But instead I have someone else I report to. And so I am following his orders. And for me, that should be Christ. And so if you do anything, well, that's where you start is I am going to pursue Christ. I'm going to follow him. He's going to be at the center of my life. None of us are going to do it perfectly, but that's what I'm going to strive for. And I see a lot of guys get it upside down where they start with tactics. You know, here's right. what are the tactics I need to change my kids and tactics aren't wrong. But if you separate tactics from your relationship with Christ, you're, you're, you're going to end up in legalism and pushing, right. pushing them away. So that's the first step. The next is just start to start start to step well the next is love your wife well yeah i mean know her well serve her love her they're gonna they're gonna pick up so much from that and that's the model that christ gave us with his right. love for the church they're gonna learn about jesus's love for the church by watching you love your wife then it comes down to how do i get to know each child and who they are and to love them where they are and do that with the limited amount of time and resources you have, you know, you, not every kid can have their own horse barn and stable or private swimming pool and be fully, you know, funded to pursue the Olympics or whatever you, right. you just, you have limited resources, you have limited time. So you got to figure out what you can do in the midst of that with each kid. But what I strive to do is to have an activity I can do with each of them at whatever time interval we can manage. It might be once a month right? that we, we get a, a half hour lunch together to do that activity together. It might be more often, but, and then through that, the relationship is what's going to open the doors for you yeah. to talk about the gospel. Now there's tools and habits that clearly we'll talk about with these resources. Yeah. You know, it, so I, I've got my Bible open to Deuteronomy six 
And so, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. This doesn't start with teaching to your children. It starts with your allegiance to the Lord our God. And so right on point with what you were saying there, you, we've got to start with making sure that we are pursuing an authentic relationship with Jesus being our Lord and, and living that out. Uh, politics is not the most important thing in our lives or our job is not, our stuff is not. And that is very easily read by our kids because they see us in our best and worst moments. Um, I'll also affirm just what you said about marriage. I tell you, um, uh, just watching kids that our kids are friends with, I, I know that there is turmoil a lot of times in homes that they come from. And so, uh, boy, it makes a difference in how your kids engage the gospel and how they feel about a loving God when they feel peace in their home because the marriage is stable. Mom and dad aren't going anywhere. I'm, I have confidence in that. And so my future physically where I live, all of that is secure because of the confidence I have in my, in my parents' marriage. And so there they can then wrestle with all the other challenges of life without being distracted by that. So, um, so true. And most kids can't, can't, (laughs) I don't know that I could have stated it that way. So probably mid mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to articulate, but they can feel it. There's a confidence an assurance that comes in knowing people, the most important people in your world are there. They're not going anywhere. They're committed to each other and they're committed to you. That undergirds all that will undergird all of life. Yeah. So with, with those things kind of as a foundation, let's, let's jump on into passport to purity. Uh, We are very much concerned about our kids exposure to online Stuff. I mean, it is so easy to be exposed today. As a matter of fact, one of the questions that we asked some time ago to our audience was, what was your first exposure to pornography? Most of the folks that answered that question, we had kind of served some older guys and it was finding magazines. But younger folks who answered that question is a very different answer. So if this is an important part of being a dad who is engaged, who is mindful of uh, keeping Christ in front of our kids, tell us what Passport to Purity is and how a dad could leverage that to really speak into the lives of his children. Passport to Purity came out of Dennis Rainey's teaching a sixth grade Sunday school class, and he started to see this is a big transition point for a lot of kids. Yeah. They're about to hit puberty. How do we set them up to win? And how do we set parents up to win in that conversation? Because a lot of parents don't want to go there. It's an awkward conversation. They feel like their kids don't want to talk about it. And I sure don't want to talk about it. Why, you know, how's this going to go? It's one of the worst memories most kids have of their upbringing. The talk. But reality is there's so much confusion around sexuality. And very few people ever hear about it from a godly biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. And so our hope was, and really my core passion is to create tools that make it easy for parents to win Mm -hmm. and, and win meaning take something that is normally an awkward moment and let's turn it into a valuable memory. Right. And so that's what passport to purity tries to do. I'm going to mention a couple of things prior to that passport to purity is really targeted at preteen. So fifth, sixth grade, my 
wife just took my daughter through it. She's 10, you know, so you can do it in the 10 to 12 year old range. That might've been a little early. It's designed as a weekend getaway. Right. So that it, you really turn again, what could be an awkward conversation into a memorable event. You tie it into something they want to do. So for the girls, you might take them shopping or take them to a concert you want to see or whatever. What is the thing that they love to do that, you know, will be bait. I'm all about bribing, you know, call it incentivizing. If, if you're afraid that doesn't sound Christian, but I'm all about like, (laughs) how can I encourage them to do the thing I want them to do with my means and resources? And so, you know, I took my son camp, my oldest son camping when we went through it, when we went through passport identity, I took him mountain biking, like on a trip, on a getaway. So you're, you're trying to create a memory alongside of the material the material is the core of the material are five audio sessions that you Mm -hmm. listen to along with projects that help the material stick and it's all around the issue of purity of the heart body change issues that are about Mm -hmm. to come you know your body is about to change here's why god is setting you up to be able to lead it for the men to be able to lead a family right you know, giving them the biblical spiritual context. Here's why he created sex. Here's the grander picture of sex. Here's how it points to who God is. Right. Here's how it points to Christ's love for the church. You, you don't get all that when the 12 year old boy on the bus tells you about it for the first time. Right. You know? Or says, hey, look at this that I saw. Yeah. It's Then it just becomes a very demeaning, physical, mechanical thing. And you, right. you miss the whole, the whole broader purpose. One thing that I want to encourage parents, if you have a young child, if you're listening to this and going, okay, 12, that's a long ways off. I I would encourage you for that to not be the first time you talk about sexual intimacy. If it's at 12 years old, they've more than likely already heard it from someone else. Average age of exposure I've heard is to porn is eight years old. And of course that leads to a whole nother set of issues, but there's a set of books called God's Design for Sex. There's four books. I try to read the first two to them. One's at like three years old. One's at like six or seven years old. Right. You've already started that conversation. There's another book we've put into the mix called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Yep. Written for kids to talk about if you see stuff, you you know, how do you get away from it? How do you avoid it? Come talk to us. That gives you that gives you three discussion points right there to begin talking with them. Um then when it comes to passport to purity, it's not just completely out of the blue for the first time. You've already talked some around it at an age appropriate level. But the key issue is we're going to get away. We're going to talk about purity. We're going to talk about dating as well. Right. We're trying to talk about these things before it hits like the critical hormones raging hot button point where you're trying to react. We're trying to get ahead of it have some important conversations in a way that's fun and memorable, even if it's awkward. Yeah. The other part that makes this so valuable is Dennis and Barbara Raina do the teaching on the CDs. So now it's someone else talking and teaching. Yeah. And so if they don't like it, it's okay. They're not attacking you. Right. And you can ask them, hey, what did you think of what that guy said? And if he goes, I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me why. You know, I'm not now offended and attacked. And so, and we can laugh at, yeah, I kind of thought that was kind of corny too, or whatever, you know, or yeah, I thought that was great. And so it, it takes some of the pressure off you to perform right and lets you focus on the relationship together so it's a powerful resource it's super valuable and it's served hundreds of thousands of families yeah. very well 
And it's almost easier to listen to those sorts of teachings while you're driving. I mean, you get a captive. I don't know if that's how you did it with your son, but uh, but to get in the car and we're on our way and you can't go anywhere. And so for 30 minutes, we're going to listen to this. And then, yeah, it, it you're shoulder to shoulder reacting to what someone else has said. And so it does take a lot of the it takes the tension of face to face out of the equation and allows you to ha- come at it from a different angle, and it's so helpful. Uh, one of the things I, I want to point out, guys, as you're listening to this, John is is telling us that there are multiple conversations. I, I joked a moment ago about the talk, and that's not how this works. If you're going to really do well with your with your kids in this respect, and quite honestly, in anything else, there are series of conversations that move along that he's already used the term age appropriate. And he's also talked about knowing our kids, because you may need to have a conversation with one son at five that you wouldn't have with another son until seven or eight. And so you need to know your kids and be prayerful about that. God will reveal, he'll open the door, he'll create the, the, um, the right opportunity for you to speak to these things, but you need to have ears to hear and eyes to see as he opens those doors and be planning and preparing for that. This is part of, I think part of leadership is making sure that you are attentive to when is the right time to do some of these things and begin the conversation that is going to continue over a series of times. Fair comments there. Man, I couldn't agree more. And I think another key word with leading as a father is intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. Be intentional. We're not going to do everything right. We're not going to hit every moment. We're not going to be perfect. But just yesterday, a mother who felt she needed to talk to us didn't because she was concerned about what her son would think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But after my wife had reached out to her from a different direction and she shared that with us, she just encouraged her to say, look, part of our job as parents is is to do what's hard, to do what's right, even when it's hard and engage. Yeah. Be intentional. Press in. That doesn't mean I do it in some domineering kind of heavy handed way. But when I feel my child is pulling away, I need to move toward them. Yeah in a loving way that draws them in. Hey, let, let's go out. I want to grab lunch with you at your favorite place. Mm-hmm. I just want to. There's that bribe again. Just can't just catch up. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and, but you got to press into the world. Hey, tell me I'm seeing you pursue this other person. Tell let's talk about that relationship. Right. No, I don't want to. Well, we're going to, yeah. you know, now it can be a productive conversation, if you choose or, or we can, you know, we can make it hard, but let's work. I'm going to press in. I'm not going to run away from the hard things. I'm not going to avoid them. And that's a key part of, of leading as a father. It's yeah. a delicate balance. Well, it is. And I tell you, one of the things that I have heard guys say is I'm afraid that I, I've got so much junk and history in my own past that I'm afraid to dive into these topics because my children are going to ask me my story or something. And they're afraid of their own past and having to deal with that. Um, and so I, I I think we have to reconcile that and and step into these things with humility. I 
you have a comment so, about that. Yeah, because your kids do not want to know about your sexual history. They yeah. don't like that's that a weird amount the most. They don't. And and if there's that occasional precocious kid that does ask you about it just so that they can one up you or whatever, it's okay to say, look, we've all messed up. Yeah. We've all done things that are wrong. I don't think it's going to be productive for me to try to unpack my history. Let's talk about today and let's talk about you. Yeah. What does God want that's best for you? You know, I think that's the best approach. And we have a whole, I was looking for the parent manual for the, well, I was going to say there's coaching for parents about how to do this on well and effectively. Topic. Yeah. And we interviewed a couple who had a past. In fact, their children were born out of wedlock. Uh, and so obviously they couldn't avoid that yeah. conversation. So, you know, what do you do? How much do you share? We, we give some good coaching from them on how to approach that but in in general it's an unfounded fear most kids that's the last thing i want to hear like it's weird (laughs) enough to be sitting here talking to you about they don't want to hear about you and mom like they don't want to visualize that or with anybody so yeah I, i don't let that stop you and and that's just one of many roadblocks but the intentionality and you have to guys you have to recognize that there is there will be some short-term discomfort but you've got to see the long-term conversation taking place and and i'll just say from from my personal experience i've got a son who is 25 a son who's 21 a son who's 19 and it is really incredible to ask them, how are they doing in their battle for purity? How are they? You know, tell me what's going on in your lives. And, you know, we were just in a conversation about using covenant eyes with with two of the yeah. guys. And and so and and I have conversations with dads who say, man, that is so cool. I would love to be at that place. Well, that didn't just happen. Um in a moment, it happened because of the folks like Robert Lewis and Dennis Rainey and Jim Dobson yeah. helping me navigate some of this stuff and giving me courage when I was not courageous and words and tools to be able to have conversations to set up a relationship that allows us to talk about difficult things. Um, yep. it, it, you have to do that, guys. And Passport to Purity does that for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you've never been able to go there, this will set up that even that specific yeah. conversation. Awesome. And look, it may not, there may not be much there either yeah. the first time. If you've never brought that up with your kids, it may be a one word response. That That's okay. That's an important part of this experience. Don't try to pry stuff out of yeah. them. I mean, it's okay to ask clarifying questions and don't get mad if they don't talk especially if you guys haven't had much time together just just enjoy the process and see what comes out of it it may be a year down the road after some more conversations that they finally start to open up and and by way of illustration guys i i think the the image that comes to mind is that of an open door it doesn't have to be wide open but Mm. your kids have to know that there is a door that is not locked that when they do get to the point that they are ready to ask a question and i can tell you what's going to happen it's going to be a 1130 at night, you will be exhausted and beat and not feel like an hour long conversation. Uh, Quality moments come at the most inopportune times. And so just look, if you leave the door open for them to initiate those conversations sooner or later, it's been my experience that they will come and 
and push the door open a little bit and engage the conversation. Um, Great observation. And those quality moments usually come at the end of quantity moments. Yeah, exactly. You've spent the whole weekend together. They haven't said anything. You pull up to the house in the driveway (laughs) and then all of a sudden it's like, dad, there is something I want to say in the last five minutes of your. And that makes it all worth it. And it, but that the, the quality usually only comes through the quantity and that's like, it's hard to say that. I hate saying that because I don't want to put guys under the pile who aren't getting any yeah. quantity with their their kids. Yeah, but there's no sh- there's there's no shortcut. I mean, there's there's no other way to say it. Do what you can, though. Yeah, what do you what can. you can, and and lean into this with humility and transparency, and engage those kids. Um, now, uh, in, in the interest of time, I want to move us along to passport to identity. What's the difference between passport to identity, identity, and passport to purity? What? How are they connected? Or uh, tell me the story. Parents who went through passport to purity, we consistently heard two things. One, thank you, thank you for making it easy for me to win. Yeah. On an awkward topic, and then secondly, now what? Like now, what do I do? Help me, right. help me some more. And that usually came a few years later. Hey, we talked about sex, dating, peer pressure, purity. When they were twelve, now they're fifteen, and it's hitting full force. We need to hit these conversations again right. in the reality of this new stage. And so, passport to identity came out of that. How do we help kids transition? You know. Passport to Purity was about helping them transition into puberty. Right. This is about helping them transition into the beginnings of adulthood. Right. And we centered we centered it around getting your driver's license. Yeah. Kind of a milestone that we can use that that signifies a new stage of increased responsibility, increased freedoms. Life is changing. Hormones are raging in a different way. So how do we help you navigate that transition, both for the child and the parent? But we also wanted to focus in for this particular product on the whole topic of sexual identity. Yeah. What is what does it mean to be a man? And so we have two different kits. That's right. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. One one is designed specifically for boys. And I narrate that one. I'm the host voice on that. But we interview dozens of other people. It's a different format than Passport to Purity. It's more of a magazine style format. We've got lots of interviews and stories. Uh, what does it mean to be a man, though, is the the main topic on that one. And then what does it mean to be a woman is the passport to identity for, for young girls or young ladies. Because, again, there's so much confusion about that. Right. And usually when you're getting into those middle teen years, middle high school years, you're really starting to wrestle with who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I good at? What does it mean to be me? How am I different from others? Will I be good at anything? What does God have for me in life? Like you're starting to turn the corner to to thinking about yourself as an individual. In fact, there's a book called Feeding the Mouth That Bites You. It's a, it's a book on parenting teens where he says the greatest felt need of teens is in individuation. Hmm. I, I need to be my own man. I am my own man, by the way. And stop trying to control me. You know, it's individuation. That may not be their biggest need, but it's their biggest felt need by a long shot. Right. By a country mile. And so Passport to Identity is helping you engage around that conversation. Hey, I know you want to be your own person. You, and we want to get you there. So let's talk about the areas where we're feeling that tension of you feel like I'm trying to control you. I feel like you're not ready. How do we move together towards successful independence? That's the key phrase we use in there. We don't want to move to isolation, which is where I've rejected you. 
we want to move towards successful independence to where I'm on my own now, but we still have a relationship and a connection where we can support one another and yeah. encourage one another. So that's Passport to Identity. It's the same format, a weekend getaway, five yeah. audio sessions, some projects, but it's on a, appealing to a more mature yeah. person and it's revisiting those topics at a more mature level. You know, a couple of thoughts come to mind. I, I mentioned we've got three sons. We've also got a daughter who's a uh, high school sophomore. But our third son, if you if you read the birth order book in our family of four, three boys and a girl, that third boy is in the worst possible place because most everything mm. that a boy could explore or do has been done by his older brothers. He doesn't get the attention of being the baby or the girl. And so he's stuck in a hard place. Um and so, boy, fi- figuring out the identity and the um, the just who he was as a young man and what he was going to be good at, the dynamics of our family made that all the more difficult for him. And right. so I, the reason I bring this up is, dads, there are a, just a variety of variables and factors for you to be attentive to that kind of feed into all of this and how a kid may or may not react to some of these opportunities. So I, I, I just say that on behalf of those third sons who have a younger sister. It's it's a hard place. And so you need to recognize what uh, how a kid might feel in some of those places. Let me ask you this question. So we've I, I've done s- many of these things with my sons, uh, but I've got this daughter who will soon be getting her driver's license who should do passport to identity with her is that mom's time or is it possible for dad to play a role in that how do you how do you deal with daughters when uh dad is involved and wants to be intentional with this yeah so to back up let me clarify on passport to purity it is designed for father to take son or mother to take daughter and that's primarily because we're going to talk about body change issues and especially for a mother and daughter when she'll be having her period and all that it's a lot easier for the mother to talk about that now however um let me say and we say this on the front end of both resources we say specifically to the parent and the child hey look whoever you're here with we're glad for that. Right. Be grateful for that. We've designed it for you to be with your dad or with your mom. But look, the main thing is that someone who cares deeply about you is here with you this weekend. So Passport to Purity is designed for the same sex parent. Passport to Identity, we've designed it that way. But I've, I've encouraged some dads, hey, this is a great opportunity for you to connect with your daughter. Right. It's not. It's not that we don't go into the same detail around sex that we did right. in passport to purity because we covered that you know we're not talking about the mechanics we're not talking about body change your body has changed right you know uh so i think it's i think yeah you can i've known some grandparents that have taken their son sure. one of my friends at family life had another older gentleman who worked at family life that was kind of a mentor to their family take his son yeah through it so there's a lot of different ways you can slice it uh, you kind of have to know your kid, know your family, right. know what's going to work for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good. Well, listen, I, again, I'm watching the clock here and I want to make sure that we spend some time on seeds, family worship. And um, so tell us how that fits into the whole equation. Give us a big picture of seeds and what your role is there. I, as I mentioned to you before we got started with this, I had heard of it, but I'd never kind of dove into it, but what a cool resource. So tell us about Seeds Family Worship. 
Passport to Purity and Passport to Identity both have scripture memory songs mm-hmm. on it. Each of the sessions has a key theme verse. Each product has a theme verse. Pass, uh, Seeds Family Worship created those scripture memory songs, and that's really their main ministry, scripture memory songs. Their target is younger kids, but they're not kiddish songs. Right. They're more like worship songs. They're they're made for kids, but they're in, they can be enjoyed by all, which is huge for families. So the the main concept with Seeds Family Worship is, and there's we have almost 200 scripture memory songs now, is Psalm 119, 9 through 11 talks about how can a young man keep his way pure? Uh, it's by living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And songs make it easy. In fact, I say effortless Yeah, for kids to memorize scripture. There's all these scripture memory programs out there. That, and most people who enter into them end up feeling a lot of guilt, a lot of pressure, a lot of regret that I didn't do it as well as I wanted. We... <laughs> Scripture memory songs take all that away. Yeah. Like it just, you just play, you can't not memorize songs. Yeah. I mean, I was in a Sunday school class and someone, the teacher in the midst of it said, uh, we're halfway there. And about three of us finished the song <laughs> up for living on a prayer. Yeah. Like you could not. And then you immediately get pulled back into a time where you heard that song on the beach in the eighties with your friends and it, like, song stirs up so much emotion and memories and and in fact those things will stay with you your whole life alzheimer's patients who can't even remember their own name right turn around and sing even play songs on the piano like it so we've taken something that is often incredibly difficult and we've made it easy made it effortless by putting scripture memory to song my core burden has been to help give fathers tools to make it easy for them to lead their family. And so as we were working on Passport to Purity, Passport to Identity, we also started to come up with this idea. What if we came up with these a top 100 verses every family should memorize together, every family should know? And as I brainstormed that with seeds, I realized, man, the best place to, to do that is with them, working with them. And so this year we launched 20 in 2020. And we just took 20 verses, like 100 is pretty intimidating. We didn't right. think anyone would do that all at once. But... Let's say at the end of this year, your family could memorize, or next year at this point, new 20 verses together. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. To be able to say, we know 20 verses, and we didn't want it to just be, I know the verse, I've heard of it, but now how can we let it shape our family, let it shape our life? So what we created, and it's all online, it's all for free, if you go to Seed's site and just look for 20 in 2020, 20 verses in 2020. But each verse has four devotions for you to read at the family table. There's a guy, Leonard Sachs, who has a book. Oh, well, you interviewed him on uh, Collapse of Parenting. Uh, he also has Why Gender Matters. Um, he talks about that the family table, number of meals shared together is one of the greatest predictors of overall family health and that there's a direct correlation between the number of meals together. So if you have zero uh, meals together as a family, your family health is probably not that strong. If you have... Mm-hmm seven nights a week, it's probably really strong, but there's a measurable difference between each meal. If it's just, if it's just one more than zero, there's a measurable difference in family health. 
So many families, when you talk about, Hey, you should do family devotions together. You know, people go, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. What in the world? Like, I'm not, we, we got to have mini church at home. I barely make it to church here. Like, I don't know pastor. I didn't go to seminary. So what we've tried to do is just make it super simple. We give you four devotions per verse. And here's what I tell guys. The first step is just let the songs play at some point in the background. Like if you do nothing else, just let them play. I let them play while they're getting ready for school a lot of times. And they just play in the background. I don't say, hey, everybody be quiet and listen. Yeah. No, just let them play in the background. They'll hear them. Their brain will pick them up and then you'll hear them singing them later. It becomes the juice that they're cooking in. It's the it's it's the gravy that the meat is sitting in. I I mean that's a strange illustration, but uh, it's the water they're swimming in. Like yeah, you don't yeah. you know what water a fish says, right? Yeah. So it's you just let the songs play. Then at night at dinner time when everyone sits down together, you just read the devotion at the table yeah. at the start while everyone's shoveling food in their mouth. You hey guys, just I'm going to read this. We've written them mainly as stories, so it's very story based. Instead of explaining, there's a lot of devotions that just are heavy on explaining and unpacking and too heavy on theology. And we love theology, but we've written these to really appeal from the set, the five-year-old to the 15-year-old. Jesus taught with stories, and so we've tried to emulate that and do it with stories. Each devotion has a story, a question, and a prayer. Mm-hmm. So it is bottom shelf for the guy who has never done this. I read the story. I ask the question. If no one says a word. You move on. Now, can a fellow do this with his phone or does he have to have a book or I mean, it's all for free. You got to have a commentary and a giant Bible or any of those things. Nothing. It's all for free on Seeds Family Worship 20 and 2020. All you do is which we'll link to, by the way, because I've checked this out. We'll link to it in our show notes so that you guys have access to it. So, yeah, it just read the story, ask the question. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, some guys don't want to talk about sexuality because of their own past. Some guys don't want to talk, ask a question because they're afraid they won't know the answer. Well, I just say, assume you won't just assume you won't. And if someone asks a question, you don't know the answer to go, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. And say, you know what, guys, this has been a good conversation. I'm going to explore this some more and let's, let's everybody come back with some other thoughts. Like there's the worst thing is to act like, you know, it when you don't, right. (laughs) You know, that's way worse. It's a lot better to just own it and say, I I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. I hadn't thought of that. That's meant the world to me to see people. I've seen Wayne Grudem do that. I studied under him at Phoenix seminary. This guy's forgotten more theology than I've ever known. Right. And I, and I saw him say, "I, I don't know when people ask questions. And I thought if that guy can say, I don't know, I can say, I don't know. But if there's no conversation, you just move on. Don't try to force it. Yeah. And then there's a prayer. We've written a prayer for you to read if you don't feel comfortable praying. We've we've made it super simple, super easy. And the key is to just get started, start to build the habit. And, and you'll have the scriptures. Each week has a theme verse or two weeks or however long you do it over. Hey, remember, guys. This week's theme verse is Joshua 1 9. Here's a devotion about that. What does yeah. it mean to be strong and courageous? Over the course of a couple of weeks of talking about it, you, you're going to memorize it. You're going to know it. It's going to influence your family. It's going to work its way into your family conversation and your family culture. Well, and and I, I've used this analogy before. When, it, when a guy has a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so if you memorize a scripture, 
or you God gives you something like that, it will be amazing to you how many times it will be useful to you in day-to-day life. Um, and it, it's just how it works. At least that's how it's been for me. And so if you begin to get a grasp of something, all of a sudden you will see opportunities to use it and God will, I mean, it's a way he is just allowing us to experience his goodness and his care for us is by showing us these connections and allowing us to see things and experience things in the spiritual realm that if you're not working on that, then you're going to miss completely. Fair. So true. And the other day I was on a bike ride with my youngest son and he fell, busted up his knee, immediately stood up and he was like, I'm not, he didn't say this, but it was clear. He was not going to cry. Yeah. He was toughening up and I'm asking him, are you okay? And and so we go along and then like two days later, he goes, dad, you know, the other day when I wrecked and I didn't cry, he said, it's because Joshua one nine was ringing in my head, be strong and courageous. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh man. (laughs) You know? And of course, you know, is he understanding the full depth of the meaning of that passage? Cause it's be strong and courageous for the Lord, your God is with you. Yeah. Like it's not my strength and courage. It's his strength yeah. and courage that I'm leaning on, but that is planted in his heart now. And he knows that someone who follows Christ has a basis of strength and courage to lean on outside of himself yeah. apart from himself. And that was a key message in passport to identity. You're ultimately for you to have a strong identity. It's got to be rooted in something outside of yourself. Yeah. It can't just be, don't look, don't just look deep within yourself and find your identity and then let that come out. I mean, Ooh, there's horrible there's stuff inside there? yourself. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Ferrar yeah. says that's like scuba diving in a septic tank. When you say you're going <laughs> to, I'm going to look inside myself to find out who I am. That's, that's just really disgusting. You're not going to find That's the message to the world. Yeah. <laughs> that's the modern message. But th- there's like, I've let myself down so many times. Yeah. How, how can I be the basis of my own strength? I've got right. to have something stronger, something greater outside of myself to lean on, like a foundation of a house needs something bigger and stronger than itself to, to support. And that's that's what we're always trying to drive them back toward. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So that was 20 verses in 2020. So are you changing the branding at all for 2021? Or has 2020 has been such a train wreck that maybe we just still need those same verses? I, what, what are you going to do with that? Yeah, well, so we really didn't get it fully built out to about mid-year, and we're putting it all in book form yeah. for next year and upgrading it. The hope is to eventually is to have five volumes, sure. to have 100, 100 verses, and so that's what we're building towards. Awesome. Wow. Well, I I want to be uh, cautious with time here, but man, this has been so much fun. You are Mm. a deep well of uh, encouragement and inspiration, wisdom for these guys. We may have to get you on again sometime, John. But uh, hey, if you could finish this up, what what final encouragement would you give to a guy who's kind of hanging on the sidelines? He's reluctant. He uh, I I use the term before. There's a lot of inertia, so many things that need to happen in a family a guy feels that tension that pressure but there is so much inertia that he he can't get moving and doing anything so how do you overcome that inertia and actually take on the responsibility of leading your family well with some of these things the theme verse of password to identity was colossians 3 two through three set your mind on things that are above Mm -hmm. not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with christ and god a lot of times we feel like we have to perform. It's on us. 
to gain favor with God or to lead our families well. It comes down to how we do and how we perform. But mm-hmm. really that in Ephesians 2.10 tell you it's the opposite. We are his workmanship yeah. created for good works in Christ. Works that were prepared beforehand. We do the good works because of who we are in him, not to become found favorable with him. And so what I would say to you is start from that place of identity. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling beat down, don't put your identity in what you do and find your identity in who Christ is. And I would just read through Colossians one in the mornings on your own and look at all those in him, in Christ statements and let those shape you. But then secondly, the enemy loves to make you feel like what you do doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Both the good and the bad, the little bad thing I did doesn't really matter. And also the little good thing I did doesn't really matter. Why try? I don't have enough time to go to passport to purity weekend. Why even try? Look, do what you can with what you've got. That's right. And just, just take one little step. If, if, if you're like, I could never do passport to purity. I don't know how, well, maybe your first step is just to order it. Yeah. Just to get a copy, like have it sitting in front of you as a reminder that, Hey, okay, maybe this is something I can do. Maybe it's talk to someone who has done it. Mm -hmm. I've heard of guys that, you know, they couldn't get away for a whole weekend. So they met for breakfast once a month for six months with their son and said, Hey, this is our passport to purity breakfast. I don't, that's not my, that's not the best, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. Like, well, that's not a grand slam home run. That's a whole bunch of base hits and you can, yes, you can win that way too. To do something, to take a risk than to do nothing. Yeah. I remember the times I got away with my dad one-on-one and we never went through any biblical material, but the fact, and he was extremely busy. He was an attorney. He was in the national guard. He flew airplanes on the side. Like he was doing so much. Those few weekends he found for us to get away together meant meant the world to me. Do what you can with what you got. Find one thing and take, take, just take focus in on what's one step I can take it'll make a difference. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, you know, I would just, I think of one thing as you're saying that, man, a small group of men who would commit together to do this with their kids, to pray for each other, to challenge each other, that may be another way to overcome some of that inertia is to have some other guys to say, hey, we're going to, we're going to covenant together to do this with our 10 year old sons or our teenage sons. And, uh, and, and just, lean into that uh, just makes me think the power of positive peer pressure in that regard in the in the in the small group that we need so yeah good good stuff well john again thank you so much for being with us i appreciate it and we'll we'll get you back sometime to to talk about the noble man folks this is the end of episode 20 uh 35 of the noble man and uh next week episode 36 and i'm just gonna do a breakdown uh we're moving into thanksgiving week so i'm just gonna talk about what it means for the noble man to be thankful so we'll look forward to talking with you then god bless you man thanks so much